0: Welcome to United Against Silence. I'm Sima Reza, the CEO of Community Building Artworks, a nonprofit organization that connects veterans, healthcare workers, and civilians through workshops led by the artists of our time. Each week, we interview an artist to find out about their process and how they've overcome silence in their lives. Jennifer Patterson is a grief worker who uses plants, breath, and words to explore survivorhood, Bodies and Healing, a queer and trans-affirming and centering trauma-experienced herbalist and breathwork facilitator, Jennifer offers sliding-scale care as a practitioner through her private practice, Corpus Ritual, and is a member of the Breathe Network and Breathwork for Recovery. She facilitates writing and breathwork workshops at healing centers, LGBTQ centers, a needle exchange and harm reduction clinic, online with the Transformative Language Arts Network, sexual violence resource centers, at colleges and universities, and in the past, veterans hospitals, the collective What Would an HIV Doula Do?, and a Hasidic and Orthodox Jewish healing center. She is the author of The Power of Breathwork, Simple Practices to Promote Wellbeing, being editor of the anthology Queering Sexual Violence, Radical Voices from Within the Anti-Violence Movement. Jennifer speaks across the country and has had writing published in multiple outlets. Hi, Jenny. Welcome. How are you? Hi, friend. Um,
1: I'm okay. I'm just in the okay place.
0: That is completely fine. Um, I've been thinking about this resource that you put out into the world, The Power of Breathwork. It came out right at the, the launch of the, the COVID-19 campaign. Yeah. Um, and it's been such a wonderful, wonderful resource. Um, and it sort of combines breathwork, which you've taught for us in the past, alongside writing, um, which, which you combine. And there's this, in the intro, you say a couple of things that I really, um, that really frame up the book, and also I think in, have invited me personally in. One of which is uh, that you found breath work quite unexpectedly, just at the right time. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that's so often like we go into a depth and then we discover like a new way to unlock some some part of ourselves. Um, can you like talk a little bit about other things that you found unexpectedly, maybe? Ooh, an what unexpected is- question about an unexpected
1: <laughs> find. Um, yeah, I mean, I think that, you know, the truth is it's like when I'm at my worst or when I'm at the bottom of the well, which is the way I often describe just being in the shit, um, Some of the things that used to work don't work anymore. And then I have to find new things. And I also have to find like the will and the interest in doing anything to take care of myself. And breathwork was an example of that. I had heard, I guess I had heard about it, but like not as like a standalone practice. And um, yeah, I was in a really rough spot. And I'm um, I'm also, I'm a survivor of, trauma and violence from childhood through adulthood. I've always felt disconnected from my breath, from my body. Um, So finding and trying breath work was like a big risk for me because I was like, who, I don't want to go breathe for 45 minutes with other strangers and like, you know, feel, feel what I don't want to feel. And I think, you know, I think those are the best kinds of practices where like, we are a little hesitant maybe. Mm -hmm. And we also, there's like a deeper, wiser part of us that knows like, no, this is, this is good. You need, you need this, even if it's hard.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And it's, I think there's something too about growing up that way or living a life that has, you know, where you've experienced a lot of trauma and had to figure out what's how to survive it that can make, release or joy feel really unsafe yeah right like that makes it feel like I don't know like I kind of feel most myself when I'm shitty or I have in the past when I'm like (laughs) that bottom of the well I'm like yeah "Yeah, that's that has had for a long time has been like okay that's my comfort zone my comfort zone right like it's it's the place where I can hang and like I know that nothing will change unless I change it Right. Yeah. Whereas with joy, there's this thing around like, it feels so tenuous. Yeah. Um, and for me, assigning language to things has been like this, it's been a, a method of control mm. in some ways. And later in the introduction, you say, I've remembered that while story and language are important, leaving room for what lives beyond language and in the energetics of the body is just as necessary mm. and yes <laughs> but also like well if i don't have words like how do i sit with a thing without mm-hmm. words um and i don't know exactly what my question is there mm.
1: um
0: but I, I just thought it might be something interesting for us to to talk a little bit about, about like, especially when you're writing for productivity, right? When you're writing so that you can like add another thing to your bio. Um, <laughs> you can sometimes feel like that, right? Like, oh, I haven't published, you know, whatever. whatever I need to add this to my yeah list. Um, that allowing something to sit language lists is like, again, like really uncomfortable, And, and, and what, what then, what then do you do with it? Mm -hmm. No, like, so there it is the feeling Mm -hmm. and how do you use it?
1: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think for me, it's like, it's drawing on the idea of somatics, which is like a really broad term, but also relevant in just like finding and being with, the the body you know which which includes our mind you know like our mind is part of our body Mm -hmm. so we don't have to like throw that part out of it either when we're in like a meditative space but yeah i mean i similar to you like i do think that finding language was yeah a little bit about control for me and like i you know i've written since i was a child and um you know writing and finding words for the things that felt so far beyond language has been really important to bring understanding into my life or just like clarity or um yeah sense of control like this whole fucking thing happened and now it's on the paper, you know, mm-hmm. like it's on the page. Right. And that's kind of how I went into breath work was like it was meaningful to me to find language for all the difficult stuff that I had been through. And then when I found breath work where it is not about language, you know, like it is about you know, kind of letting go of the story sometimes or, or being more familiar with the story. And a quick fresh refresh of people: book, breathwork is just a meditative practice. It's a active practice where we're just using our breath in certain ways to um, just uh, move beyond the story, you know, move beyond familiarity, maybe even bring some stuff back into our awareness in the, in the interest of trying to integrate it into our fuller experience. And yeah, breathwork. I mean, I still honestly, like when I do breathwork, I still have a notebook nearby and I'm picking up the notebook and like Mm -hmm. scrawling things down. But I think for me, I had to let go of language to really be in the practice of um, meditation and breathwork. And so I started to realize like, I actually need both of those spaces because if I can, and you know, similar, I offered the altered states writing workshop back in December with you all. And it's similar to that idea. It's like, we know the story, you know, we know that we've told the story a thousand times. We've often used the same language for it. What happens when we break that story open a little bit and come to it in a different way?
0: Yeah, and and take a break, right? From yeah, the, the thing we're telling ourselves. <laughs> um, do you meditate other in other ways? Or is it mostly- I do, you?
1: yeah you know, for a long time, I was trying to do like, I was really wanting to have a regular meditation practice when I was probably in my 20s. And I just fell asleep all the time, like <laughs> my brain's so active. And then the idea of like trying to, you know, I think that the people I was learning from at the time, maybe had a less complex understanding of what meditation is. and I Now that I've done it more, I'm like, oh, yeah, right. You, we are not turning off our brains. We can't turn off our brains. We're bringing awareness to Our thinking patterns to our stories, and so after starting breath work, which really helped engage my kind of busy mind, because you have to be so engaged with the pattern of the breath. um, I've been able to do, you know, sitting sitting meditation and other kinds of meditation now.
0: Oh, how awesome! Yeah, Um, it's it's like this interesting thing around like witnessing, right? Like you're Mm -hmm. you're witnessing your brain and your your mind at work um but you're not asking anyone else to witness it which is the yeah. thing that's super different about when we write things down yeah um and it's a, I think it's like a really unplugged from something that in this moment you know is was talking to my girlfriend this morning about like we're even monetizing our babies, right? Like in this (laughs) current moment, you put a shirt on your baby and you're like, and they paid me to put this shirt on my baby. And it's like, everything is about production and external witnessing. Um, And taking a break from that, I think in and of itself can be really like lonely Mm. in a way. like I, I remember maybe a few months ago or a year ago, I turned off my social media notifications, all of them. Mm-hmm. And for the first three days, I was like, nobody loves me because like <laughs> nothing was happening on my phone, and just like my my home screen, you know, it was just like there was nothing there, and I wasn't getting like constant like. Um, yeah. External. And oftentimes the notification is like somebody else posted something. It's not even that they love you. Yeah, right. <laughs> <It's> like Cool. <laughs> it's anything, like, amazing. Um, but there is this pressure to be witnessed and to be witnessed in a particular, like whatever your particular persona yeah. is right. Like to, to okay. deliver the thing that you, um, are, are, I don't know, creating for your audience or whatever whatever that that means. And, um, but the, the best, I think, works of art are completely like, just like people being weird with themselves Mm
1: -hmm.
0: on the page. Um, how do you, so you have, you have breath work and you have meditation and of course you have writing. How else do you allow yourself to be weird? What are some other, other places where you just
1: like, mm. I mean, definitely with plants, I'm an herbalist and I had like my first really big garden last summer and it's like, plant, well, being with plants, growing plants, working with plants and like hiking too. It's like, nobody gives a fuck about me out there. You know, like there's, I live um, in Northern New Mexico now after 16 years in New York City and I'm looking out this window and there are these cows that just walk back and forth And, you know, I go out there and I like wave to them every day. And they just look at me like I, they're like, get out of here, you know? And I think (laughs) being outside in nature, like beyond like a city or something, like there's nobody here. Like nobody cares what I'm doing. Nobody cares what I look like. Nobody cares how I do a thing. And I think, yeah, it's like, pulling like the eyes aren't there, you know, the eyes of social media or whatever. Like I feel that I feel the eyes of social media all the time, you know, it's like, I'm just like in my bedroom and I'm like, it still feels like (laughs) there's eyes. Um, and so, yeah, I think being with plants lets me be weird. Cause it's also like, I grew plants since I was a little kid and it's like, it's always been like a place of, um, Like, freedom and connection and just, like, being, like, being engaged and connected to a world that's so much bigger than me, that's so much older than me. You know, plants are older and wiser than all of us humans.
0: Yeah. And the sort of, like, you can't quite understand them, right? Like, you can try to give them the things they need to thrive, but, like, right, there's a limitation, a language block, right? Yeah, there is. Yeah. Um, and I think maybe it's that they were this about the same age. I think there's like something too of like of of coming to the wisdom of not knowing, mm-hmm. as like I don't know. I think feel like in my twenties is this really big unrest. Yeah. I don't know, know. I don't know. I got to know. I got to pretend to know. I got to seem like I know. Like this whole thing, and and then like to relax into like not gonna know. I have no idea.
1: (laughs) Yeah, which I think for me has come with age, you know, like the older I get, you know, even though you could argue I lived more, I know more in the living sense, like, I feel like I know less all the time. I'm just like, I got no clue. I hope someone tells me one day what the hell is going on, because I don't know. (laughs)
0: Actually, I don't even know what <gasps> tells me. <laughs> I, like, I don't even know what I would When do you're, like, really old. When you're really old. Maybe then? Maybe, maybe then. Maybe. <laughs> we'll, we'll talk again in 40 years, and <laughs> I'll let you know. When you know, and you, I'll let you know if I want to know from you. Um, <laughs> um What? Is your, are you a daily writer? Are you, like, a, a morning pages? A No. No. <laughs> no, not a daily.
1: <laughs> I wish I was. You know, I'm not a daily much of anything. Is what it is. It's like, you know, I'm a daily. I do the things on my to do list every day. I have just this year officially. I have really gotten into like daily movement and meditation. Um, I had like a really serious injury a few months ago, and I was unable to walk for a few months and. The second I had more mobility, I was like, I'm gonna just like, if I can do 10 minutes of moving, I'm gonna do that or 10 minutes of breathing consciously or, um, but writing has always been hard for me as a daily practice. I think, um, I feel, yeah, I feel like I can't always find words. And then, you know, I'm a bit of a perfectionist. I kind of like to find the right words right away. Mm -hmm. And, (laughs) I'm finishing up a book too, that I've been working on really since like 2013. And I feel like maybe once that's done, I'll be able to get into more of a daily practice again, but that just kind of feels like it's hovering around me and pushing me in a direction I don't know I wanna go yet.
0: So yeah, that thing, when there's a project that you're like, well, if I'm writing, I should be writing that. Yeah or editing, you
1: know, there's just so many things to do. Are you a daily writer?
0: I, I, you know, like I try to be, I haven't, I'm not a daily much of anything either. I am, except for, I am a deeply daily coffee drinker. Cool. Um, <laughs> you know, <laughs> But um, yeah, I, I, I would like, again, like I, I, like I love to be able to come across like, oh, this day last year, this is what was happening for me. Mm-hmm. Um, but I can't always access it. And I can't always um, pull myself away from my life. Yeah. To be on the page, um, yeah. which is an, a fairly new thing for me to be able to say like, no, actually we're just gonna, like I'm just gonna be here, mm-hmm. drinking this coffee, looking out the window and not interrupt it yeah. with writing. And I think those breaks make the writing actually, like when I come to the page, um, yeah.
1: Who is that piece? It made me think of this piece. Um, oh God, a blank on her name. You probably know it. It's that. It's that like short essay that's about like how everything is writing. You know, like reading is writing. Going through your day is like not writing is writing mm-hmm. because if you're a writer, at some point you will be drawn back into writing. You know, but everything else around it is still writing. You read that piece?
0: I have, and I, I also cannot okay. not place the name, but. <laughs> If anyone and like likes that, <laughs> and tell us. Um, I'd like to reread that. But yes, yeah, like, um, and there's an, this idea of like, what am I not writing? Mm. You know, like, what is the thing I am not writing? Because there is a, usually there's like a thing when I'm not writing, there is something, mm-hmm. um, maybe not as directly like the project that I'm supposed to be working on. But like, there's like, you know, something that I'm thinking about and I'm like, um, yeah, that's like just, and then it'll it just seems to come up in every conversation, like totally, right over the course of several days, and that feels like, oh yeah, this is the universe is just like guiding me into yeah. this object. Um, but I don't get as mad at myself anymore as I used to good. about that. <laughs> um, for whatever that's worth, yeah.
1: Okay.
0: What do you get mad at yourself about?
1: Oh my god! <laughs> Many things. I'm always in trouble. Um, I mean, similarly, like I think I I do I get I used to maybe more I used to get mad at myself for not doing all the things every day, you know, like because really, if you're like listening to all the like Instagram therapists or the who knows all the the guidance in life, it's like. I would be, I would have no time for anything if I'm like doing all the exercise, doing all the meditation, taking all my vitamins, you know? Um, And I've tried to just be like, especially in the last couple of years where everything is so hard. I'm like, yeah, I can't do that today, actually. And letting that be okay, instead of then spending all kinds of energy, like punishing myself (laughs) for like, or just also like getting more clear on like what I want to be doing. You know, like maybe I had an idea for something today and I don't want to do it anymore. So yeah, I guess, I think when I was younger, I was a lot more mad at myself. I have a lot more patience for myself now,
0: fortunately. That's beautiful. beautiful. Um, You, of course, moved from New York City
1: Mm -hmm. to
0: hanging out with the cows in New Mexico. Mm Which is like a like it's a it's like a, another life, right? Yeah. It's a huge, huge shift with your partner, yeah. Um, which is a shift too in partnership. You're relying upon each other in a different, yeah, in a different way, right? For like yeah. everything, you know, and <laughs> company, especially like, and, rurally, and,
1: everything rurally. You're
0: like, <laughs> <right>. <laughs> um, and there is like often when you've been independent and you've been like. Scrabbling to do all the things. There's a thing you have to accept that you can like that you can trust that you can trust that you are enough. That yeah. like this thing is enough. Um, how did you like? How did you make that that giant leap? Mm. Um, I mean, we had had a plan to potentially
1: move from New York City a couple years down the line, like we had traveled and did a road trip in January, 2020. And we're like, New Mexico, LA, both look like options. We'll see how we feel in a few years. And then the pandemic hit and I lived in a really teeny studio. Rose lived in a pretty small space. You know, every place I led breath work except for one closed permanently. You know, my, all of my relationships that I, saw, I thought were so tied to New York City you know, a lot of them disappeared. The relationships did, but the spaces right. did. Right. Um, and I started working more virtually, doing breathwork online and breathwork groups, and you know, um, and so for a couple months, I got to see that it could work. You know, like that I that I had built something that was steady enough that I could take on to the internet full time. And yeah, I mean, being in New York City for the first six months of the pandemic was really hard. It I mean, I I know it's still hard. It's not like it's ended, but, you know, I think that for me, I had finally just found some steadiness for like the last year or two before 2020. And I was like, I can't, I can't do it again here. I can't, I can't restart and reinvent myself in New York city yet again. You know, I needed to do something different. So we just found a house on Craigslist to rent, and Rose traded some of her carpentry skill for it, and we're just here. Um, it does feel like a whole different new life, you know, which I think is—it's um, really hard some days, you know. Like I really miss, like I think we all do. But there's so much we miss from the before times, and I also feel like in some ways it's helpful that we're all just like out, out in the, you know, in the ether in something new because I'm not doing it alone. Like I think most people I know have had to like reimagine what their lives look like. So yeah, it's a really big shift though. And I would, I would love to say that I've like lost my New York city hardness, but I have not. I just (laughs) do it here now in a town of Less than 400 people.
0: And, you know, you're just like, what are you looking at to the cows? <laughs> <laughs> Everyone's
1: very nice. They're just like, why is this person moving so fast everywhere? <laughs>
0: um, so I know you said you're not a, a daily habits or much yeah. of a daily anything person, but what are the rhythms? What yeah. are the rhythms that sustain you?
1: Well, one thing I definitely have been able to do more now that I don't live in New York is, um, I start, I start and end my day differently, you know, like I make sure that I have time in the morning to like move slow. I am now doing more daily morning stuff like movement and meditation and I take my herbs. And um, I try not to really get into like work until like 10 or 11, honestly. And then I usually work until about six. Um, and you know, I don't work at night anymore, which is a real difference. I used to work at night a lot in the city. So I would be getting home at like 10 o'clock at night after a breathwork group, which I loved doing them, but it didn't, it didn't allow for me to like ease into my sleep <laughs> at night. I was kind of like buzzed. So yeah, I feel like I, I have um, like morning and evening time that helps me like rest and ground a bit. More than I used to, so I feel a little bit. I do feel a little bit more anchored in the day than I used to.
0: Yeah, that's beautiful. I I I'm, I think I've I've heard this from a lot of people. This sort of like starting the day a little bit later, like taking yeah. that sort of commuting time. Mm-hmm. Or, you know what? It, like what we would have used to to go somewhere, just like yeah. reclaiming it. Yeah, um, at the beginning, using it, of course, first to just like get right into it, like we did. And like oh, I got this hour. Um, But I do miss the, that sort of like mind space of the commute. Um, Yeah, totally. Yeah. And going from work. And like, I keep thinking of things that I could do to make myself have a commute. Like, you know, my bedroom is down the hall from my office. So like, maybe I sit in the hallway for 20 minutes. (laughs) 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 or like, right? Like, how do I come down from the buzz where I just like close the laptop lid and I just taught this amazing workshop and then you just go into the living room. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) So like this transition stuff, I think is still something that I'm like, you know, two years and counting in Mm -hmm. trying to figure out. Um, But I think that there's like, Reading is a really like getting into somebody else's head. It's one of the things that I um, am grateful, especially for in this time of of on from home. Um, Mm -hmm. And on that, what are you reading?
1: Here's where my terrible name retention will come in. So I'm not gonna give any names of the authors. I'm just gonna (laughs) talk about what's in the books. you know, over the summer, I started reading fiction again, which like, I'm a nonfiction person. I'm like nonfiction and poetry, you know, like that's mostly what I read. It's rare that I read fiction, um, but over the summer, I just felt like so overwhelmed by the world. I mean, for the 1200th time in the last two years. <laughs> right. and, um, I was like, I need to read some fiction. So I just, start, but of course, because I am me and you will probably relate. All of the fiction that I bought was like cult adjacent and like <laughs> and like apocalypse about like the world three decades from now and like for whatever reason, I found it comforting just to be in like an alternate reality that like might be our reality at some point or maybe already is. And I think that felt really helpful. And it also was just like, I feel like with nonfiction, which is where, you know, like I'm constantly learning and reading and trying to develop further my knowledge base and herbs and breath work and all the things and writing, but it requires so much of my ability to like process and think. And I've really struggled with that over the last couple of years is like for a number of reasons, health and otherwise, like I can't. I can't retain information in the same way. So I can't always read those books. I just need to read about some person having a terrible relationship in the end times, you know, like, (laughs) that's where I'm just like, tell me more. How bad is it? (laughs) You know, so that's been really helpful. Um, You sent me a book, the fish book.
0: Oh, why fish don't exist.
1: I love that one because it was also came at a really good time because I was dealing with like this injury and my dog dying at the same time and just like really was and still am a little bit in like fuck the whole world like fuck everything you know like why 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 and to read you know somebody else kind of traversing this this idea of just like there's no control. We have no control, you know, like yeah. about the big things. We don't have control about the big things. I can control when I drink my tea, but you know, that's about it. And so I think books like that have been really helpful too.
0: Yeah, and that's such an extraordinary one. So Why Fish Don't Exist is by Lulu Miller and it is it is nonfiction, but she has this like personal story that's sort of threaded through it. And the way that it's set up is there's like a, a mystery right? Yeah. It's like uncovering. So you're, you're moving forward. It's, it's a f- yeah. phenomenal book. Um, what are you reading? I am reading. Um, I just, I have a couple of new things that I'm reading. One is this, it just arrived. I have an essay in this anthology, but like, it's called Sex and the Single Woman. Ooh. And it's like all of these phenomenal, Authors of, on sex, um, and it's like a, a really a, a redo of the Helen Gurley Brown, mm. sort of like old bestseller that was like mm, a little questionable. Um, <laughs> <laughs> like how to catch a man really was what it was about. Um, this is like all of these authors on on this topic of singlehood and um, singledom and sex and and self. Right. Really. Yeah, yeah. It's about itself. Yeah. Um, so these other essays and editors are just so phenomenal. Cool. Um and then I'm also reading um I always I really love the best American science writing mm. every year. Mm-hmm. And I just like it's that thing where I'm just like, Oh, now I know all of this about whales and <laughs> well, like it just like <laughs> Cool facts at the, the yeah mass, I just the masked party. I just can't stop talking about whale facts. Like, you know, uh, um, so those are two things that I'm reading, but I'm also like a person that always is reading like a, a little bit yeah. from from little things all over, and also yeah. had like a weird education. So I'm like often rereading uh, things that people read in some class somewhere, um, and they're like, "Oh, of course you've read that." And I'm like, "Fuck, I have to, like am just ordering it on my phone, like." <laughs> Smart <laughs> person, I read that already. Um, <laughs> I'm reading some of those things, um, and I I just got a subscription to the Paris Review, so I'm like mm, way you're in stocked. That. Yeah, I'm stuck. I'm, I'm just like sitting in the hallway between my bedroom and my office, just like wasting the day away.
1: Just really getting, getting
0: it. <laughs> really getting it over there. We're so grateful for you.
1: I love being in, in in the CBAW Zoom room.
0: It's a it's a it's such a great thing to be allowed to be like messy and <laughs> show up. and you know like even I as a facilitator I'm allowed to be messy and show up from wherever and and however and the whole room carries me um, and like I think that's you know that speaks to like the facilitators that we have like yourself and like all these extraordinary people that like just come as themselves and I think to the time that we live in yeah I mean there's
1: no there's no if you're not messy I don't want to know you right now I'm like come on <laughs> come on the facade's not working for me you know
0: yep it's
1: a mess out there and in, inside inside and outside and up here too. Up
0: here, too. Thank you so much for listening to United Against Silence. I'm Sima Reza, and I hope we see you at a workshop soon. You can see our full schedule at www.cbaw.org. We're looking forward to being in community with you.